I'm Rod Sabalas. Hi, I'm David Mackett, and this is Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidori. Thanks for joining us. We're going to talk a little bit about your upcoming show, Cold Comfort. But before we start talking about that, I'd like to hear a little bit more about Fly on the Wall Theater yes. and the company's origins. And uh... Well, I guess we say Fly on the Wall Theater was founded in 2012. I came about because I wanted to submit a project to uh, SummerWorks. And, of course, I, I need to, needed to come up with a company name. And the project that we did enter was Cold Comfort. We, unfortunately, weren't chosen. But it was a project that we wanted to, to uh, move forward with at some point. So we, uh, it stayed on the back burner. And, and uh, we ended up doing a, a reading series of plays at Finmacool's Pub. And that's sort of where the, where the company itself took off and uh, the reading series started off in 2013 and Rod came on on board when we when we did uh, when we started the reading series when I settled on on doing the play the the first person I thought about directing was Rod I've worked with Rod on on a bunch of projects and <clears throat> he's the type of director that gets the most out of his actors me uh, in particular, with my experience, and uh, the, the the character, the main character, Kevin Toner, is, I would say, probably completely different than than me as a person. Uh, obviously, we do. There's some characteristics that we share, but I knew that I would need a strong director to really push me forward to get everything out of me that that was possible. And uh, the company has sort of just moved moved along from there. Let's talk a bit about Cold Comfort and uh, and the selection of the of the show. Tell us a bit about that process. Uh, well, it's a play that I discovered uh, a number of years ago. Uh, I had been looking for a solo project to do. It's, it's doing solo projects is something that uh, has interested me for a while, and. Um, I found it in this, uh, there was a collection of, of uh, three solo plays in a, a book called Singular Male Voices. And I had just purchased the book and right off the bat, Cold Comfort jumped off the page. And I guess it is, it is the style of writing. Uh, it's, it's written by uh, a playwright uh, named Owen McCafferty um, from, based in Belfast in Northern Ireland. And he writes with a very specific style. He uses the uh, the vernacular of working class Belfast, and he writes with no punctuation, except for forward slashes separating thoughts. And the story itself is the character Kevin Toner has been living in in London, in England, uh, in a more or less self-imposed exile. He's he's left home. And he, he has had no contact with his family, with his father in, in 15 years. And he gets word that his father has died. And through uh, various occurrences and means, he finds himself back in Belfast. And I don't know if you're, it, 
people are familiar with the traditional Irish way when when uh, someone passes away generally they the the body is is kept in the coffin in in the parlor or the front room of their house and people come by and it would be just like a, a visitation here in a funeral home so the, the play itself is set in his father's home in the, the front room and there's there's his dad <laughs> in a casket and and nobody showed up for it mm. he's the only one there and they didn't leave on good terms and they've had no contact and Kevin finds himself you know with all these questions in his head why why is my life turned out the way way it has and so he decides he's gonna he's gonna have a, his a conversation with his father um, and for the next 60 minutes he goes at it and it was immediately. It was, it was. It was a play that I thought, oh wow, th th this would be a fantastic uh, project uh, for me to work on. Um, but like many actors, I suppose I was hoping, you know, it, it, this doesn't make sense, but I was hoping that some theater company out there in Toronto would be wise enough to to want to program it in their season and of course the first person that they would think of playing the part would be me of course it's, <laughs> it's completely ridiculous to think that that would, was going to happen and uh so again i didn't I really didn't do anything with play it was just there and i guess it, it got to a point in my career where it was a, it was a low point where i wasn't i, I wasn't doing a lot of of acting and I I just got to the point where you know I said that's it I'm gonna do something and that's uh, okay if if I'm gonna do it I'll, I'll do this project and that's where my the submission to summer works came through and as I said it we weren't picked up by summer works but the next opportunity that came along was was the fringe and uh, I was fortunate to be chosen to do it in the fringe and and that's what happened so what were your first impressions as a as a director looking at this my first impression as a director is to think about the actor that i'm working with and i've known david for about 12 years and we've worked together for 10 years and what i find is that he's one of the most um uniquely skilled actors in toronto that seems to not be able to get hired and there's about a dozen actors, I would say, that I've, that I've seen across the city that directors with limited visions don't know what to do with. So therefore, they don't cast them. So it's so, you know, he may get called back a lot or you may get called in on occasion, but it's like, huh, I just don't know what to do with you, so therefore I won't. As opposed to going the opposite way of saying that you're a unique energy. You have a unique look, you have a unique style, you have a unique physicality, therefore, and go forward with that. To me, most of the time, the project is not nearly as interesting as the actor who is going to embody the project. So when David brings me something, says I'm kind of interested in doing this, it's like, okay, that automatically makes me kind of interested, right? Um, because I've cast him in a number, a number of parts that I don't think other directors would have cast him in.
and he's been pretty successful in all of them. With this particular play, it's a, you know it seems to be to me to be a tale about what was not provided to a young man in his uh, upbringing, in his uh, maturation process, and how that young man comes to terms with what he is given, how he builds upon that, knowing that there's something missing, but not exactly what. So it's sort of a, a what? It's sort of a mystery. It's a mystery. So one of the things I, w I was interested in was trying to find out what it was that David and the character missed in that maturation process. And therefore, you're on a, on a quest to discover rather than thinking that you know. So that's what that was what was interesting to me about the piece. I don't I don't know if you're aware that this is this is the second of the plays that you've directed to be uh, to be previewed on this podcast. Um, I spoke last summer with um, Ms. McLeod yes. about uh, my high heeled life. Yes, I know. I and know. so it's uh, and so it's interesting, you know, the, the, the two the two plays that I that I've you know been exposed to as a director so far are these these one person shows, and it is such a, a different dynamic when it's one on one in a room and you're not waiting for everybody else to come back in. Mm -hmm. You talk a bit about the process of of that. Well, um I did I I I have done one uh another solo show. It, it was at the Fringe uh back in 2006, I think it was. It was uh The Good Thief by Connor McPherson. And that was my first experience doing a solo show. And I found overwhelming going into it I would say that uh, the lead into the uh, the actual production because it's it's pretty scary that you don't have anybody else there to save you if you lose your way or, or whatever you, you it's all up to you to find your way back and also just the you know I, I guess that first time around I there was a certain lack of confidence in thinking that I couldn't carry a 60-minute show uh, as it was. And would anybody come? Would anybody, would I be able to hold an audience for 60 minutes? And also the whole, the whole process of, if I finally thought of it as climbing a mountain. And if you look at the very top of the mountain, you're, you're overwhelmed and you're never gonna get there. But if you take one step, and you just keep taking one step, soon the peak is not very far off. And then you reach that point, and it's all downhill from there. So it's easy. <laughs> um, and, and so that was, that was my experience. That was my experience. And, and from that experience, I, I found it really exciting to do it. Now that play, it was more it was storytelling in that it was it was direct address audience this play is a little bit different because uh as a character of kevin toner i have other characters on stage they're not actually there in person uh aside from my my dead father who's there as a corpse in a coffin but i i at points during the play i bring in my mother and I bring in my, my ex-wife. And essentially, I, I bring them in as their chairs. And I talk to the chairs. So I, in, in a sense, I'm having a dialogue 
with other characters. Sometimes I'm talking to one, sometimes I'm talking to two, other times I'm talking to all three. So in that sense, it's, it's slightly different. So it's not uh, a director addressed to the audience. But at the same time, I'm providing the other side of the conversation as well. So mm -hmm. I have to create, you know, the responses that I'm getting from from my mother and father and, and ex-wife. Maybe to be more specifically uh, um, precise about your question, uh, we went very slow. You know, and you know, I'm the kind of director who doesn't set de deadlines like have your lines memorized by that kind of that kind of stuff. So we would we would work in small segments, just at the table, over a couple of hours. Next night, same thing. And then we'd come back and we'd do maybe another four or five pages with that. Move to two thirds, go back, do two thirds again. So there was it was always the the David's mountain imagery, climbing the mountain is a really good image. That we would just you know we'd go for a while and then you know pitch pitch a tent, and camp out for the night. You know, so and you know the rehearsal process was set up so that there was no end result immediately in mind, so that when we got to where we wanted to go, we had, then we began the rehearsal process, the real rehearsal process. So when we actually started rehearsing, he had it down. It wasn't a matter of oh I got to memorize my lines. Now it's okay. So now we're going to figure out how we stage this and where you go and when you need to move and when you feel you need to move and it makes it a lot easier than uh, um, being the kind of director who has all the answers. You know, I mean, you're working on a one-person play, it, you know, with Catherine, it's the same thing. It's like, I don't have the answers. I can tell you what I see, you know, and I can tell you what I'm hearing. I can tell you what I'm feeling. Is that where you were wanting to go in your choice with this? If not, then let's address that and adjust accordingly. So it's it's really, it's, as most many directors will say that, you know, they're looking for collaborators when they work on a play. Most directors, I think, really aren't looking for collaborators. Right. They just say that, you know, in in this situation, and most I would say almost all the the material that I work on, I'm looking for a collaborator. I, you know, I can tell you what to do, but that's not what a director does, I believe. I'm cu I'm curious. I mean, without without prying into your own life, is there something specifically about the character that really, as you say, jumped off the page for you? I think. Probably the fact that he's very much an outsider, and I, I find myself as well. I feel like like a, um, a bit of an outsider, and you know, looking looking through the glass and looking at life going on with other people, but but being just a bit outside. And I, I think that's probably where I connected with with the character uh, the most. And the whole, I guess the whole relationship with with the father is an interesting one for me. I I grew up without a father. My my father passed away when I was when I was very young. So it's you know I it, in my own life there's a lot of questioning. Well, what if what if, you know what was what would my relationship be like with mm. with my father if he if he had lived and and so that the 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 quest that that Kevin goes through trying to understand his father I suppose we we share a bit of that well and to, and to the, those questions that never get answered even if people are around why why did you make that choice why did you behave in that manner why did this happen you know and I, I think it takes someone of David's natural curiosity to make 
the, that work. Because not all actors are terribly curious, even though many actors say, yes, they are curious. But, you know, whenever you see, you know, you see some of the, the productions around town and or across the country, and, you know, the, what you see in the first night is what you're going to see in the last night. It tells me that they're not being particularly curious about the nature of the play or exploring or understanding how the playwright works. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I'd also say that the character of Kevin Toner, he's, he's, he himself lives on the margins of society. And I find those characters very interesting mm -hmm. because they, they make you ask, ask the questions. Why, why is he like this? You know, he's, he's at times in the play, he's very angry. And you, you wonder, well, why are you angry? What's, what's motivating you? To do that, and as an actor, I find that really interesting because it it just gives you so much material to mine and to ask those questions. And then, as soon as you answer one question, then another question pops up. And so I think I find it exciting because it it just for me it just builds a character and 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 creates such a a, a full life and or having having an opportunity as an actor to create such a full life on stage. It's really really exciting for me. It's interesting because. You know, in a in a play with a lot of characters, you can almost ride a situation and the interplay. But it, it's interesting with a one-person show, you're forced to, you know, use the cliche like to be present and to dig deeper <laughs> and to find things and to make those discoveries. Um, so yeah, no, it's just a, it's an interesting. Well, and it's also the <clears throat> the depth and quality of those discoveries. So you you, you know, how badly do you want to know the answer to that question? And what will happen if you don't get the answer? And what will happen if you get an answer that you didn't want? So, I mean, that's, that's when the layering, I think, you know, can really be extremely, uh, um, you know, uh, exciting, not just in a one-person play, but in, in theater in general. You know, when you, you know when, you, when you raise the stakes to the point that the playwright must have, must have placed them in order to write that material in the first place. Are there things that you want an audience to know or to be thinking about when they come into this show? I just I would hope that they would come into the play uh, with an open mind and an open heart, and uh, join us on the ride and enjoy the experience. I think, uh, just to add to that, the material uh, it sounds very dark, and it, and it is, <laughs> but. There's a lot of humor in the play, and, and so you're not, you know, you're not coming to see a 60-minute um, piece where this, where it's all depressing and maudlin, and this guy just whining away because it's it's not like that at all. There's a lot of the, the Irish humor in it. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of swearing in it. <laughs> well, as David said just... earlier, you know, if you've ever been to an Irish wake, there's a lot of tears, but there's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of saluting and cheering. There's a lot of storytelling. So it's really a good microcosm of the human experience. Not just, it's a celebration, you know, an Irish wake. It's a better way to look at it. This is, I think, his idea, Kevin Toner's idea of a celebration which is not quite a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> Cold Comfort, April 24th to May 4th at the Tarragon Near Studio. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Bart.
Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.